morning again, everyone. I guess now would also probably be an appropriate time to say Happy New Year. Um, Although, okay, maybe it's just me, but every time we get to a new year and we start wishing each other Happy New Year, I can't help but think about the somewhat arbitrary nature of that statement and the whole idea of the new year beginning on January 1st. Um, And right now, you don't know it, but you should all be very thankful that I've been sick this week and don't have a lot of voice to speak for a long time, because I was going to get really nerdy about calendars for a little while, but I just don't have, I just don't have the voice to do it today, so you should be thankful, you just weren't aware. But the, if, if you just, even with just a little bit of research, you can see just the history of, of how mankind has, has kept time, how we've ordered our, our years, and just the, all the different new years in different nations, different cultures, different points in history, different places that people have placed in the start of a new year. And when you look at all of these different possibilities, all these different times in history that, the new, that people have said, have been able to say, Happy New Year, you realize that January 1st really isn't any more special than any other date. But still, because we let the calendar you know, flip from one year to the next on that date, there's still something special about it. We feel something special, and I think it's just because we love a fresh start. We love for something to be starting over again at the beginning. I think for most of us, grown-ups at least, it's the closest thing we get to that feeling. Do you remember like in high school or college especially, that feeling you had right after you took your last final for the semester? There was no greater moment in, in school than when you had just you walked out of that room and you're like, I'm done. I've got a clean slate. Whatever is past is past. I have... A clean slate ahead of me. The next semester, the next school year, I get to start afresh again. We love that feeling, but once we get past our school years, we realize that there aren't really, aside from you know big life change kind of moments, there aren't really many opportunities where we get to you know really hit that reset button. I love that picture that Evelyn has in the bulletin this morning. That you know this reset button. We really want a reset button so many times. But we don't often really get that chance. And so when we get to the beginning of a new year, we can't help but think, okay, this is a time when I think, I think I can do something different. I can be something different. I feel like I'm getting a fresh start, even if it's a completely arbitrary date on the calendar. There's still something that just feels right about it, something that just feels good about it. And I can't help but think that the reason we feel that way about a new year, about a new start, is because it's just a reflection of a deep longing that God has put within us. A longing for something that is exactly what God wants to give us. The reason we desire that fresh start so much is because God, as he's made us, has put that desire in us because it's something that really only he can give. Because you see, Our God is in the new business. In the passage that we read just a moment ago, I love that last statement that that is made in the reading that we had in the the first half of of verse 5 of Revelation 21. 
you know, he, John seeing this, this image of, you know, the, the new heaven and the new earth and, and all this newness that's coming and this proclamation from God as he sits on the throne says, I am making everything new. Our God is in the new business. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about a lot of the new things that God desires to give us. A lot of the newness that comes when we follow him, when we follow the one, really the only one who can really make something new. But today, talking about a new start. And a new start really is something that we think about at the beginning of a new year. We think about at the beginning, on the first day on a new job, the beginning of a new school year. But in Christ, we each have a new start each and every day. But I don't think we feel like it most of the time. At least we certainly don't act like it most of the time. So often we have so much piled up behind us, so much history, so much baggage that weighs us down, that we forget that we serve a God who says, okay, look, I'm making everything new. And that includes you too. All the stuff from your past, all the things that are weighing you down, I'm trying to hit reset for you. I'm washing you. I'm cleansing you. And you get a new start as well. And if I want to see a great example of this, although you have to look for it a little bit, I think of Mary Magdalene. There there are only a few places in the Gospels that she actually comes up. We honestly don't know that much about her. In the the introduction, really, to uh, before Jesus is doing some teaching, telling some parables, and right before the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8, we have what's probably the, the earliest place that we see her recorded showing up in Jesus' story. It says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Achusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So you see this character of Mary Magdalene, and if you just look... You know, it, it's really kind of fascinating if you just, you know, look up on your Bible app on your phone or open up a concordance, try and find the places that she shows up. We don't really know much about her past life other than that she had been cured. She had been released from these demons by Jesus. But she was there for his teaching and even one of those who helped support his ministry. She was there at the cross, even when most of his other disciples had deserted him for fear. She was there when they laid him in the tomb. And she was among the first who returned to the tomb then to find it empty. And she was possibly even the very first person to see the risen Jesus and probably the first to proclaim the good news that Jesus is risen from the dead as she went back, as John tells us, to tell the other disciples. Because see, she, when I look at her story, I can't help but think that she was so aware of the new start that Jesus had given her in her healing as he, as he released her from these demons. And that as much as her life must have revolved around the torment she must have been going through and the struggles in her life before Jesus entered the picture, her life after her healing seems to have been focused not on what was in the past, but was focused on that new start and focused on that one who had given it to her. 
I think we could all take a lesson from that. The things that we know about Mary Magdalene is that she was there. She was focused on Jesus, what he was doing, what he was teaching, the work he was doing, even to the point of staying nearby at his death, even to the point of being at first to return to the tomb. She was not defined any longer by the demons that had possessed her previously. Instead, that old life and what Jesus had done to take it away from her had moved her into the new. And really, the old, while important, should move us into the new. I love this picture that I found a little while back. Someone that was using an old uh, microfilm machine in the library, and once they found the thing they were looking for, they just pulled out their iPhone <laughs> to, to take a picture of it. I remember in school, I mean, my kids will probably never see one of these machines, you know, a microfilm. I remember how important it was, like in elementary school, library when they were teaching us, you know, because this, this was the, the thing that we all needed to know. This is how we were going to do research when we were older. You know, this is how we were going to find things. We were going to go and we were going to look through the index and find the right microfilm or the little microfiche things, which were always scratched up and you couldn't read. Um, and, and this was really important to do. But now, the, where these are still being used, this is probably the way they're being used. You finally find something, and then you pull out the phone to take a picture of it. Oh, the, the, the archivists of today that look at these, you know, these huge, you know, not that great quality sometimes, archives of old documents and newspapers and stuff, and how much they wish that they could have, still have those originals to do some sort of, of digital archive of them that they feel like they could have done such a better job with. That's how it always is. There's, there's always the old, but, but the old moves us into the new. And we can look at the past and we can regret. We can say, oh, if only we had done it differently back then. Or do we say, okay, here's what we've got, but here's where we're going. We can take the lessons that we've learned from the past, and we can take the God who has said today that I'm a new creation, and I can move forward in embracing fully that newness. The knowledge and experience that we've gained in the past is of immense value, but it's only of any value if we let it lead us where God is taking us. There's really kind of a funny thing that happens in, in the book of Isaiah. Um, in, it, it's easy to miss because it's it sort of spread out a little bit between chapter 43 and 46 of Isaiah. There's a couple of things that, <coughs> excuse me, a couple of things that are being said through the prophet here. In, in chapter 43, Starting in verse 18, he says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This God who is doing a new thing saying, Don't dwell in the past. Don't dwell in the struggle. Don't dwell in the sin. Don't dwell in where you've been. Look at the new thing that I am doing. Look at the deliverance that I'm bringing you. But then just... A couple of chapters later, a few chapters later, in chapter 46, it seems to change. It says in verse 8, Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. We need to remember the past. We need to remember what God has done in the past, what we have done in the past that we've been forgiven of. 
But we can't be bound to a memory of the past in such a way that it prevents us from being able to imagine the new possibilities that God gives us as He makes us new. Some of us, we wear the scars of our past. Some of us, quite literally, wear the scars of our past. I mean, on more than one occasion, I've gone around and people that just talking about the stories that they can now laugh about that are the scars that they have on their body because of some stupid thing they did when they were a kid or when they were a teenager. And I'm sure that if we had the time, we'd go around, and there would probably be some pretty amusing stories of some of the scars that each of us bear physically. And while we do bear those scars, both literally and figuratively, while we bear the scars of our past, they should never be our focus. In fact, who you were yesterday... For that matter, even who you were when you walked in the door this morning is far less important than who you're going to be when you walk out of these doors today. Because once again, I think I'm going to have to summarize here, but our God is in the new business. And He wants to give you a new start today. No matter what has been, No matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, no matter what baggage you've walked in the door with today, God says, look, I'm making everything new. And I want to make you new today as well. He wants to make you new today. Whether it's by taking on that new life in Christ for the very first time, being baptized in His name as you proclaim your faith in Him. Or if you're already His, if you've already taken that step I think sometimes we need just as much of a reminder that God seeks to make us new just as much. If you're already His and you just need to hear Him say, okay, yesterday is yesterday. Today is a new day. And today, you're my son. Today, you're my daughter. That's the thing that matters right now. And that that God has called us to go out into this world not burdened by the past, maybe informed by it a little bit but not burdened by it, not weighed down by it, but instead moving forward in the newness, the new starts that he wants to give us today that we can take hold of each and every day. If there's anything that we can do to help you take hold of that new start this morning for the first time or for the hundredth time, God is there and he wants to give you that new start and he wants to help you embrace it. If we can help you do that in any way this morning, please come and let us know while we stand, while we sing.